0: and San Diego Veterans Administration
1: Healthcare System. Continuous glucose monitoring is a new technology that has the potential to dramatically change the lives of people with type 1 and insulin requiring type 2 diabetes. Joining us to discuss this exciting new advance in diabetes management is certified physician assistant and diabetes educator in San Diego, California, Chris Sadler. Chris, Welcome to Reach MD. Well, thank you for having me, Steve. Well, if you're a proactive type 1 diabetic like myself, I knew about continuous glucose monitoring years ago. But if you're a hardworking primary care doctor out there in the trenches treating every disease in the world, you may not know what's going on. So let's just define what is continuous glucose monitoring.
2: Well, in the past, uh, there were retrospective devices where patients could have these devices placed in a physician's office, and they would continuously record glucose but not display them to the patient. So it wasn't really much value until you downloaded the information and you could look back to see what happened. But in today's devices, these devices have a subcutaneous sensor that is inserted by the person with diabetes, and there's an attached transmitter that then sends the interstitial glucose readings to a receiver about every five minutes. And so people now can see their glucose displayed in a continuous fashion every five minutes or so throughout the day and really see the trends of their blood glucose values.
1: Well, let's talk about who is a good candidate for CGM. And I
2: think in general, anyone with type 1 diabetes or insulin requiring type 2 diabetes who's already utilizing intensive insulin management and is not able to achieve their glycemic uh, uh, goals is a good candidate for this. And I think it's especially helpful... For those who have hypoglycemia unawareness, when they've lost the ability to detect hypoglycemia, this can really be a life-saving technology.
1: But what about uh, women planning pregnancy or women who are pregnant?
2: I think that's a fantastic uh, category of people that really could benefit from it because that's the time of life that you need the most uh, exquisite glycemic
1: control. Certainly the health of the baby really is determined primarily by the glucose control during gestation. So, you know, I couldn't agree more with that list. And uh, it's probably most type 1s and a lot of folks with type 2 diabetes who are on intensive insulin management. Well, how can CGM benefit people with type 1 and insulin requiring type 2?
2: Well, I think it's opposed to intermittent glucose testing, which you just get a a moment in time, but you have no idea which direction the, the glucose is heading. And the, and the ability to see the trends in blood glucose values really allows you to intervene before you get to a severe hypo- or hyperglycemic event. Also, observing the trends, you know, over time can allow you to make changes in the medical regimen or the insulin regimen to achieve more stable levels of glucose over time. And people really adapt to the therapy over time and enter, learn how their body responds to different stressors, exercise, diet, and are be able to uh, really predict and to uh, intervene before they get a severe, lower or high blood t- glucose level.
1: There are 1,440 minutes in a day. And even if a patient is testing four to six times, they really only know what's going on a snapshot uh, compared to trending. And, you know, a blood sugar, for example, of 160 means so much more when you see that it's dropping from a 200 or it's flat over the last hour or it's rising quite dramatically. And I think this trending information uh, helps patients on insulin in such a, a powerful way avoid unpredictable swings in their highs and lows.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it really empowers them to see what's happening and, and intervene early uh, before they get into a real, a real problem down the road.
1: Has there been any studies documenting this in a formal fashion?
2: larger study uh, reported in the New England Journal of Medicine, and this study was a multicenter trial that had over 300 patients with type 1 diabetes, and they were randomly assigned to either continuous glucose monitoring or finger stick for glucose monitoring in a traditional way, and they followed them over 26 weeks. The primary outcome in this study was the change in hemoglobin A1c levels. Now, there were three age groups in the study. There was an 8- to 14-year-old, a patient 15- to 24-years-old, and people 25-years and older. And at the end of the 26 weeks, there was a statistically significant reduction in hemoglobin A1C of 0.5% in the over 25-age group. And this happened with no increased incidence of hypoglycemia. Now, there was a trend towards improvement in the 8- to 14-year-olds, but it did not meet the significance. And there was no change in the, in the group that was between 15 and 24 years old.
1: The most important bit of data that I took out of the study was uh, if patients wore the sensor, they had tremendous benefits in their A1C, glucose fluctuations, and hypoglycemia. But if you gave it to a young kid that, that didn't wear it every day and, and these things are meant to wear uh, consistently, uh, they did not see the benefit.
2: Absolutely. And I think when they broke this out, um, they looked at if you wore it six days or more, they found that the 25-year-old group or older wore it 83% of the time. They wore it six days or more per week. In the 15- to 24-year-old group, they only wore it about 30% of the time. In the 8- to 14-year-old group, it was about 50% of the time. So you're absolutely right. It appears the change in A1C was really predicted by how frequently you wore you
1: the device. You know, every patient has to be evaluated on an individual basis, and not every patient is going to be amenable to this form of technology. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Steve Edelman, and speaking with Chris Sadler, discussing continuous glucose monitoring. Let's talk about uh, how patients and healthcare professionals benefit from CGM in terms of some other parameters of glycemic control?
2: Well, I, th- I think that this has really been one of the most empowering uh, therapies uh, that patients can have because they, by being able to see these trends, not only are they being able to uh, decrease the, the variability in their glucose levels, they're really able to avoid those severe hypoglycemic episodes. And I think people feel just more confident and more in control. Um,
1: I think a more interesting part of that question is, how does the healthcare professional benefit from uh, taking the time and effort and fighting the insurance companies to get CGM?
2: In my experience, it's really been that patients that are on this therapy are able to make changes in their insulin regimen after they've learned the nuances of the, uh, and, and I think that's an important point, is there really is a learning curve uh, early on in, in using the device so that you don't overcorrect or overrespond to the data. Once you've gotten to that learning curve, you know, I get very few phone calls from my patients with continuous glucose monitoring because they really have been able to dial in their control. And uh, I, I just really have there's very little work left for me to do.
1: I think every primary care doctor listening out there who treats patients on insulin, you know, knows the frustration when their patients come in. They've tried to do everything consistently, but they're still all over the place and their A1C is high, or they're so afraid of tight control due to hypoglycemia or a severe episode in the past. So I think for primary care physicians out there, I would, I would really urge you to to just be aware of this technology. And you may not be the one who's putting it on or, or prescribing it, but just knowing about it is so important. Well, let's give a little more details about these devices. What are some of the common features when you pull out the monitor from your belt and you look at it? What, what, do, what do patients see, Chris? Well,
2: what they'll see is continuous readout of the glucose level every five minutes up in the corner of the device. And then there's a graphic display, which shows the trend, which direction the blood glucose is going. And you can see that over time. You can have different graphs that show different uh, different time frames. But you also see directional arrows in most of the devices that tell you how quickly your blood glucose is trending up or down. And some of the devices even have a, a hypoglycemia alarms or a prediction alarms saying that you're going to be glycemic in this amount of time if you don't take
1: corrective action. Let me interrupt you there and, and just emphasize how important that feature is. Using the rate of change of glucose because you get a blood sugar every five minutes, um, you can actually predict... You know, if the blood sugar is going to be continuing to go at a certain rate when someone's going to be high or low and give them plenty of time to react. And I think the, the best example is avoiding a severe low blood sugar reaction while you're working, driving, taking care of your child. Uh, you know, that's, that, is, that is something that really is incredible, I think.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I think the other nice thing about these devices is that they do have both high and low blood glucose alarms that can be individualized to the patient. So they can know, they can set the level where they want to be alerted when their blood sugar is dropping. Some people like to know much earlier because they're very fearful of hypoglycemia. They might want to know when their blood sugar is 80 or 90 or 100, where someone else may not want to be bothered until they're down below 70.
1: Yeah, and and a lot of these devices now have uh, event markers. So you can put in how much insulin you took, how much uh, exercise, or how many carbohydrates. And I think that leads us to, you know, you put in event markers, uh, what about the software that's available for these devices? How can they help our, our the healthcare professionals and software, patients?
2: Yeah, I think the software is very has gotten very sophisticated, and so it can on one page can summarize you know many events, how many times the patient is given insulin, what amounts of insulin, what is the blood glucose trend. Um, what, uh, where, the, where are hyperglycemic events occurring. And,
1: of course, standard deviation, you know, basically how much patients are bouncing around and putting it at the time of the day that it occurs most is key, too.
2: Absolutely. And so I think visually you can track where the main glycemic problems are and then focus your attention on correcting those areas. And it really helps focus your attention to where the where the issues are so yeah, very
1: quickly. And I also want to tell the listeners that um, this is not something that is primarily for you. It's really primarily for your patients to live with on a day to day basis. And um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at a screen and see, for example, you're trending up at a pretty steep rate after your last hot fudge Sunday that you that you cheated on. And uh, it, it tells you, it can give you a lot of information, and you don't have to be a doctor to interpret it. Well, how accurate are these devices, Chris? Are they ready to replace uh, home glucose monitoring?
2: Well, they're, they're not indicated yet for, yet for replacing home glucose monitoring, but really as an adjunct to it, because what you're really getting is trending data. And the, the other thing to remember is this is interstitial blood glucose levels, so it's not exactly the same as the capillary blood glucose levels we're checking. There is a lag time between the, the, the blood glucose level and the interstitial glucose level. And that time could be up to 15 minutes if the glucose is changing very rapidly. So you may not see always the exact same reading on your blood glucose meter as you will see on the monitor, but what you will see is the trend data. And we're still recommending, you know, finger stick glucose monitoring prior to giving insulin and so on so that you uh, use that value for your actual insulin adjustment, as opposed to the continuous monitoring value.
1: And that leads us to our last question: Really, is uh, are these things being reimbursed for people who are appropriate for them?
2: Now, most of the major insurers have reimbursement policies in place, and so if patients meet the criteria, which are very reasonable criteria for most most of the insurers now that we can actually obtain these devices pretty easily for our patients that need
1: them. I'd like to thank our guest, certified physician assistant and diabetes educator in San Diego, Chris Sadler. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with us on Diabetes Discourse.
0: Thank you, Dr. Edelman. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash D-I-A. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com.
3: Daddy, what are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes, and like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical.
0: So, the
3: GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. <laughs> yes, I guess, in a way, it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com DIA.